Hello, and welcome back to Parallel Passion. First, I'd like to thank everyone who continues to support this show on Patreon. You're the best. If you wish to join these awesome people, go to patreon.com slash or follow the link in the show notes. Thank you so much. Today, I'm joined by Molly Struvi. I came across her via some funny joke she made on Twitter, and when I looked into her, she seemed somewhat interesting. But I had no idea. She rides and jumps her show horses, she gives amazing public talks, is a runner, a mentor, has a very cool blog and so much more. I don't want to keep you from the conversation, so let's jump right into it. Hi Molly, welcome to Parallel Passion. Thanks for having me. Oh, the, the, the pleasure is mine. I'm like really, really glad to have you. How are you? I am good, I am good. The sun is shining outside here in Florida, so you know, day's going well so far. <laughs> yeah, uh, I wish I could say the same, but it's dark hill here already, so you know. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just I just want to start by um, uh, how I got across you is like completely randomly uh, on Twitter. Uh, something got like retweeted in in my circle somehow, and it was one of your tweets, and it's like it's it's so good. Oh man! <laughs> it goes something like developer accused of unreadable code refuses to comment. <laughs> Oh my god, I didn't I couldn't believe how nuts that tweet went because when I saw that like joke originally, I got a little chuckle out of it, but like <laughs> I didn't think it was that entertaining, so I tweeted it after I heard it and it just like took off and I was like, "Wow, people really think that's pretty funny." Yeah. So, I guess you you can never go wrong with a good a good pun. Yeah, no, it's it's hilarious, and I I saw it, it had a, quite a reach in in retweets and everything. Yeah, and uh, overall, like then I, I um, took a quick look at your Twitter bio, and you seem like a very very interesting person. So I, I don't even know where to start, but <laughs> like one of the things that I want to get out of way uh, immediately is like um, if you just tell who you are and what you do professionally, so then then we can actually focus on on your many hobbies. <laughs> Definitely, definitely. So we can focus on the fun stuff. Um, so anyways, I am the lead site reliability engineer for Dev.2, which is a blogging website that is geared towards software engineers. And what kind of drew me to the platform originally in working there was that they really created this very inclusive, supportive community. So you can kind of think of it as like medium, but with like support and, you know, everyone encouraging each other and just a good community feel as opposed to just feeling like you're just this tiny little fish in this big sea. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's my job. I do site reliability engineering for them. So working a lot with their infrastructure to get it into a state where we can scale up and, and handle all those new users that are joining the platform every day. Right. So it's it's something I, I've been doing for the past few years and I really enjoy it. I really enjoy finding all those little optimizations that can make the code run, you know, twice as fast, 10 times as fast, et cetera. And you're you're working in, in Ruby or some other languages? Like what's your primarily, like what do you, in, in which environments do you do your work? Yeah, so primarily I work with Ruby. Uh, the dev platform is a is Ruby on Rails application, a, a single Ruby on Rails application. And then I you know work with like Postgres, Redis. And one thing that I also work 
a lot with and I did a lot at my previous job was Elasticsearch. So that's kind of another, you know, little side passion of mine. I enjoy working with that. And hmm. we're actually going to bring it to dev to improve our searching. Hmm, interesting. I, I don't think there are many people who can say that Elasticsearch is their passion. I think it's more like nightmare or something. <laughs> I mean, it is definitely a love-hate relationship. There's definitely <laughs> quite a few times, especially early on when I was learning all the ins and outs, I definitely more hated it. But like, once you kind of understand what's going on under the hood, <laughs> you can get it to do exactly what you want. And then you you feel a little bit more in control. Then. Yeah, uh, I, I guess I didn't reach that point. It was just like a complete <laughs> black box to me. Like, why doesn't this work? Oh, it, yeah, it's it's definitely when you're starting out with it, it's it's definitely it's it runs so fast that a lot of times you don't even bother, you know, you don't even have to understand what's really going on. But once you get to scale, whew, you don't understand <laughs> the internals. It, it definitely is a rough ride. And I saw you did some uh, talks on Elasticsearch and also other things. And um, I, I sort of want to dive into how how you decided to do that. Like, what was the first talk you gave? And like, did you always enjoy giving talks? Or is it just something you came across somehow? Like, how, does, how did that work? So this actually all started just over a year ago. So the whole talking, speaking, tweeting... <laughs> actually happened just over a year ago. So I had just become an SRE or I'd been an SRE for about a year at that point. And we had just done a ton of optimizations on our platform. And they, you know, they were little like code tweaks, but they led to really big gains. And so I thought, you know, like that might be kind of, you know, something interesting mm -hmm. for other people mm -hmm. to learn about. And so RubyConf was coming up at this point. It was midsummer. And I decided to submit a, uh, a CFP to that. And I want to preface this with, at this point, I had never been to a technical conference at all. Right. Never, never once. <laughs> and so I thought, okay, well, why not? Well, let's try it. And so submitted the CFP. And I'm going to be honest, I did not expect to have it get accepted. So when that acceptance email came, it was like, oh, boy. We actually have to do this now. <laughs> oh, man. And so I, you know, I got a lot of advice from other people. We, I gave the talk at meetups and then ended up giving it at RubyConf. Right. And the reception that it got was overwhelming. I, I wrote the talk. And even after the talk was written, I thought, oh, God, this is like basic stuff. Like no one's, you know, no one's going to think this is interesting. <sighs> yeah, but that's the thing. Like what... Things that are basic for you can be completely out of reach for, for someone else. Exactly. And even the basic stuff is just the, the little things are so often easy to overlook when you're writing code because they're just they're so simple. You you just kind of glaze right by that fine statement or you glaze right by that database hit because, well, well it's fast. It's not that big of a deal. Yeah. Um, and anyways, the reception was overwhelming. People were coming up to me afterwards and just saying like, there are so many places in our code base that we could apply this and we could apply this concept. And I never knew that. And <laughs> that really just kind of hit a nerve for me. And I thought, wow, that was pretty awesome. I was able to, in 40 minutes, reach and educate all of these people on all this stuff that I just learned over the past year. And at that point, I was pretty hooked. <laughs> so I also had enjoyed the conference so much that I was like, oh, I want to go to more conferences. And our company will only pay for you to go to one away conference and one local one at the time. Right. And so I asked 
if I was speaking at a conference, how many could I go to? And our VP of engineering at the time said, well, if you're going to speak, you can go to as many as you want. (laughs) I said, okay. So I just started submitting CFPs and yeah, the rest was history after that. I spoke at some more Ruby conferences this past fall. I spoke at some SRE conferences and it's, it's just really been a lot of fun and I really enjoy getting the opportunity to share those experiences and, and watching them help other people. And did you always enjoy public speaking or like being in front of people? Like did this came to you naturally? Yeah. So when I was younger, I did the whole debate in high school and was always just kind of comfortable Mm -hmm. being in front of an audience. Now, you know, don't get me wrong. I still get very nervous (laughs) before I give any talk, but it's something I I do enjoy. And so um, I kind of had that in the back of my mind, but yeah, it's, it's kind of cool to have rediscovered it now in my professional career again. Do you have any like, um, practices that you do to like help with your nervousness or do you just go and and wing it and hope like once you're on that the nervousness will like pass so okay so i have a couple of things (laughs) i always like to be in the room for the talk ahead of mine just to kind of you get familiar with the room Mm -hmm. i always do you know the the tech pre-check because nothing is worse than when you get up there and then all of a sudden it, it doesn't work yeah and so that's something i do and then People might find this kind of kind of goofy, but whatever, it works for me. So to kind of you know pump myself up, there was this TED talk that was given at one point. And the theme of the TED talk was if you stand in a competent position, so like a Superman pose with your hands on your hips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The power poses, right? If you stand in a power pose before doing a high stress activity, it can actually, you know improve your performance. Mm. And so I'm not going to lie. I usually go into a bathroom, (laughs) I power pose, and then I'm not sure who listening has seen the movie Cool Runnings, but there's a scene in it when one guy is trying to pump another guy up and he goes, tell me what you see in the mirror. I'm going to tell you what I see. I see pride. I see power. I see a badass mother who won't take no crap (laughs) off of nobody. And so anyways, those are the lines I say while power posing and I do it for like 30 seconds and <laughs> I'm sure some people are kind of snickering to themselves, but you know what? It works for me and it totally gets me excited as opposed to nervous. And then when you get on stage, you get more excitement than nerves and then boom, you just breeze on through it. Yeah. That's the thing. It, it doesn't matter like how it is and how it looks as long as it works for you. Yeah, It's even the same. If you're just like smiling, you will just naturally feel better, even though you did nothing. Exactly. It's, it's insane. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Human, human, like, like psyche is crazy. Oh my Lord. And Agreed. Even, you know, the simple things like placebos, like we know they shouldn't work, but they work. Mm-hmm. We know we like there's a fact they work. And I, I think that's exactly the same thing. Even if like if it's completely like if, if these power poses don't do anything, if you believe they do something, I'm, I'm sure they do. And then that's what matters, right? Exactly. Exactly. Do you have any talks planned in, in future? Um, Not currently. So actually, uh, that's a lie. I do. So I'm going to be <laughs> speaking at the Lead Dev New York in April. Okay. So I'm really excited about that. That's a conference, the lead dev conferences I've heard a lot of good things about. And so pretty excited for that. It's going to be a new talk that I've never given before. So wow. I've got my work cut out for me in the next two months. And then I'm submitting some CFPs to RailsConf and some other conferences. And so we'll uh, 
we'll see if those get accepted. But for the winter, I usually take the winter off. So I, I did a bunch of talks in the fall. And then usually January through March, I, I take off because, well, I'm in Florida. And as we'll talk about in a little bit, I am riding horses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a perfect segue as any. So let's, let's just go there. There you go. <laughs> I just slip right in there. Yeah. So um, I'm I'm guessing this is one of the things you've been doing since like you were little or am I wrong? No, you're exactly right. I have been riding horses since I was five. Oh. And for anyone who's familiar with horses, there's like a million different ways, you know, you can ride them. And what I do is I compete in show jumping. So I am on a horse and I have to do a set course of what we call jumps. So they're basically like obstacles you have to jump over. Mm -hmm. And the goal for me is to do the course in the least amount of time without knocking the jumps down. And so that is, that's basically what I do. And I come down here to Florida in the winter. So January through March, I'm kind of a snowbird originally from Chicago, but I come to Florida <laughs> for the winter and I show horses. And so it's usually, you know, every week or so I'm at a horse show showing them and it's, it's a lot of fun and it's, it's a great break from the tech. And you do this competitively, like in, in a race or how does this? Yeah. So it's, it's definitely, it's competitive. So it's competitive show jumping, as I said, and, um, I've been every, you know, the past couple of years I've gone to nationals, oh. uh, two years ago, I placed fourth at nationals on one of my horses. Um, I ride a couple of horses and compete on them. So it's, it's definitely, it's a kind of a year round thing. We do a little bit less in the fall, which is why I kind of loaded up my speaking in the fall. Mm -hmm. So So yeah, it's a year round thing. And then, like I said, the, what I do show jumping is, is doing a set course in like an arena and you're going around and you're jumping the court, the jumps in a set order. And you have to try to do it as fast as possible without knocking them down. How did you, how did you become interested in that? Did you just like horses and then like naturally progress to like uh, show jumping or how did you got into this precise discipline? Yeah. So much to my parents' dismay because riding is very expensive. When I was five years old, my aunt actually gave me a helmet and a riding lesson for my birthday. Mm. And so I took the riding lesson. And that was basically it. I was hooked. And so like I rode all through high school. Um, my parents, you know, even though they had to spend a lot of money because it's expensive, they also joked that it was it was a good insurance policy because I was always at the barn as opposed to getting into trouble. <laughs> so I rode through high school and then rode in college. And I've literally, you know, been riding ever since. Yeah, that's that's crazy to me because like I know usually people do sports and then they get tired of them or like they switch mm -hmm. to, to something else. So you I guess you still enjoy doing it. Yeah. And it's you know, and I did I, I did some gymnastics when I was younger. I did some dance and those kind of faded. I did soccer a little bit in high school and that faded. But the riding has stuck. And one of the things that I think is so cool about riding horses is that it's something you can do your entire life. So unlike gymnastics or figure skating, where you, you kind of age out when you're like in your mid twenties, just because it's so brutal on your body, mm -hmm. people ride well into their sixties. And actually oh. there's a famous Olympic show jumper named Ian Miller, who 
has competed in the most Olympics. I think it's six Olympics. And he started when he was 25 and his last Olympics was when he was 65. Wow. And it was just, it is a lifelong sport. So I, I'm really excited that I'm just, I can do it, you know, yeah. for the rest of my life. And it's not something I have to kind of give up as I get older. Right. And it's not like uh, hard on your body as you're di jumping on, on this. I mean, it's, it's a workout. It is definitely oh, a yeah, workout. Um, <laughs> definitely. But, but it's in terms of like pounding on your body, as basically as long as you're not falling off the horse too much, it's, you know, <laughs> too much. It's, it's not, it's not, it's not super hard. I mean, you're going to fall off at some point, but um, it's, Like I said, it's something that is, it's not so hard on your body that you have to give it up. Mm. Um, if you're in good health and you stay healthy and fit, you can do it, you know, well into your later years. Did you have any serious injuries from falling? Um, my worst injury was actually two years ago. I broke my wrist. Oh. Um, and so that was, you know, knock on wood, that was the first bone I had actually ever broken in my hmm. entire life. Yeah, that's surprising because I, I think like just intuitively horses are like big and like... And dangerous. Yeah, very dangerous. Yeah, no, I... And trust me, I kind of realized at that point, I was, I've been very lucky. I've been very lucky I have not gotten seriously injured. Or maybe you're just a really good rider. Oh, there you go. Well, <laughs> I like to think of it as, as people in our industry say, I bounce well. <laughs> <laughs> So when I come off horse, you know, I bounce, I just bruise. Um, but anyways, the breaking the wrist was, uh, the worst thing I think I'd ever done. And then actually I wasn't, I didn't even fall off a horse, but I broke my thumb last spring. Um, so that was, you know, just kind of little things here and there, but it just, it comes with the territory and it's kind of something you have to accept, uh, at my old place where I used to work at kind of security they used to joke when i would go off to a horse show they'd be like molly please please commit all your code before you go get on the horse <laughs> <laughs> just in case and so we we always had a good good laugh about it but it's it definitely it, you know it's it's like any kind of intense sport it comes mm. with its dangers but it's you know it's it's so much fun and i enjoy it so much that i i accept the risks mm -hmm. and and yeah and do you have your own horse or do you like um do you rent them how does how does this even work so my uh in-laws are into horses and so actually my mother-in-law owns a lot of horses and i ride her horses so i'm very kind of spoiled we both do the sport together and mm -hmm. so I have five horses that I ride wow. and, and she likes to breed horses. So we've got all these babies coming up that are, you know, getting <laughs> ready to show. And so it's, it's kind of a family affair. Right. But wait, why do you, why, why do you need five? Lots of practice. <laughs> no, like, excuse me, but I know nothing about this. So this is like completely. Yeah. No, no, no. So horses, horses are like athletes. Right. Um, so for one, the more time you get in the ring, the more practice you're going to get. And on a single horse, you can usually only go into the show ring once a day. That's, that's all you want to do. Because if you go more than that, it's going to tire the horse out. Oh. And so ideally you want to have a few horses so that you can eat, you can do a little on each one and then they'll last longer. As opposed to if you have one, then you're a little bit more limited on what you can do. And so it's, you know, they're kind of just like any athlete. They all have to take breaks and stuff. So if you have a couple, you can kind of rotate them right, right. Um, when you're when you're working with them. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. But uh, yeah, like I said, I know nothing about this. All I know about horses are the like uh, show horses, the, the the white ones, the Lipitzaners. Oh, the Lipitzaners? Yeah. yeah. 
they are um, uh, supposedly originated from Slovenia, so that's that's why I know about them. Yep. But that's that's there you go. All I know, right? That's I mean, it's either that or people are like, "Do you race around a track?" And I'm like, "No, that's not quite what I do." <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, yeah, I don't think it's a very common sport. Like I, I you no. know, I think you're the first person I met. Actually, so it, it was funny on Twitter. I have never, I you know kind of similar to you i've never met anyone else in the software profession in writing i mean it's very hard to just beat people in general mm-hmm. that are writing yeah but um two kind of you know funny stories uh one um the founder the guy who founded dev.2 his name is ben and how i met him was i was doing a twitter chat one day that dev.2 runs mm-hmm. and after the Twitter chat, Ben DMs me. And my first thought is, oh my Lord, I said something wrong. Like <laughs> he's 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 upset. Like, because that's just that's how I think. I always worry about stuff like that. So I open the DM and he says, Hey, I saw that, you know, your cover image on Twitter, which at the time was of me jumping a horse at nationals, and he said, My family's into horses. Now, <laughs> most people, when they say my family's into horses, I mean, they have a pony in the backyard. They might, you know, right. ride around on it. So it's it's usually when people say that, I'm like, oh, that's great. Like, what do you do? Like, walk trot. Yeah, yeah. So I kind of, he he says, you know, my family's in horses. And I kind of like, oh, okay, that's nice. <laughs> and then he proceeds to send me a picture of his brother jumping at one of the highest levels in our sport. And so I look up his brother and I find out that his family is really into horses and his brother (laughs) trained with some of the top Canadian show jumpers. So anyways, long story short, that's how I ended up meeting the founder of the company I currently work for was (laughs) via show jumping because it was one of those very few people that I ran into that actually like was in the horse industry similar to I was. So it's, you know, you don't meet a lot of them, but it's still kind of a small world. I yeah. There you go. That's <laughs> I've met one. And now you work for him, so there's that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it, it's kind of funny how how things like that, you know, bring people together and and how life kind of works out like that. People say world is small, but like doing conversations like this, I really noticed that because like I see, oh, you 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 interviewed that guy. I know him from there, or like I saw her there, and I'm like, oh yeah, like yeah, it's everyone knows everyone apparently. <laughs> yep, yep. But yeah, to to go to some other sports, you said you also run. So um, how how does that look? How much do you run? Like you said, when people say like oh, I'm into horses, and you assume they're pony, they have ponies. <laughs> like when people say I run, I assume they do like ah five k's or whatever. Yeah. Um. So that's you know it's pretty close. So basically, running is kind of like my my like stress reliever, mm. and I run five days a week, every single morning during the weekday. So Monday through oh, Friday, every morning. morning I get up and run. Um. I do one day is a five mile run. And then the other days are five K's. So just mm-hmm. over three mm-hmm. miles. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something I kind of ran in high school. And when I was younger, not competitively, just kind of as a way to stay fit. And then I went to college. I didn't do a lot of running in college. And like most people, I gained uh, quite a bit of weight. <laughs> and so when I got back from college, I decided, okay, I'm not comfortable, you know, with this extra weight. So I wanted to lose it. And I started running in the mornings and it started out really slow, like a mile. And then I increased it to two miles. And 
slowly but surely worked up to where I am now. And mm-hmm. so now I, so I run every morning and then I also like to do, there's a couple of just little races that I do um, a couple of five milers every year. And so I really, I'm obviously I'm very competitive. And so <laughs> in those races, uh, usually one of them's us on, uh, this ca- small Island called Fry Island in Maine. And so usually I try to place in the top three in that one. Oh, um, wow. and then one I was really excited about was I did a much bigger five mile race in Washington, DC, a Turkey track and I'm racing. And as I'm going, um, I'm definitely not going to win this one. There are people there that are like marathoners, like there, there's some serious people there, (laughs) but I'm going. And I decided as I was doing the race, I'm going to see if I can break a seven minute average mile. And I get to mile four and my phone tells me you've completed four miles. Your average pace is seven Oh two. And at that point (laughs) I was like, Oh no, no, no. We're getting, we're getting this sub seven minute split. And so I just hit it as hard as I could. 659 average wow. average mile time for <laughs> for that race. So I was I was really really excited for that. Um but honestly running like I said it's you know every morning when I do it it's just kind of my way. I don't listen to music. I literally just go and I just kind of digest, you know, maybe what happened the day before, think about what I've got coming up mm-hmm. and it's really just a time for me to just be within my own mind and and kind of think through things not gonna lie i've also solved a lot of problems that way oh yeah no definitely definitely like um my my story is somewhat similar i mean i never ran before Mm -hmm. but like i i i have gotten fat and i was like okay i need to lose some weight (laughs) and um i started running primarily to like yeah to to be more fit to like do some exercise yeah but then i quickly discovered like i think the first six weeks of running are really hard when you're starting out yeah but then after you get into into the groove you're like oh i actually enjoy running and now it's it's no longer about well it's sure it's still about keeping fit and everything but it's mostly like you said just about that mental like just relaxation yeah and thinking about things on other ways and everything yeah it's just like a decompressed time Mm -hmm. Um, um, and it's, it's, I love it because it's so easy. Like you don't need any equipment. You don't like, you literally just put on a pair of yeah. running shoes. Yeah. You don't need to drive anywhere. You don't need to like no. be aware if something is open or not. You can go, well, right. Cause you said you go in the morning. Well, I go after work. Okay. Cause, uh, I work remotely. So for me, this is like, um, sort of the same way as a commute would be for like people who don't work remotely. Yeah. So I just like, yeah, I, I quit Slack and then I put on my running shoes and I go. And for me, that's like the separation between work and personal life. Nice. Um, and it, it mostly works, but not every day, but like you know, <laughs> mostly. Yeah. Uh, I've been there. I've been there. I usually, so I work remote and my, my like finish to the day is I walk my dogs mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, most of the time, computer's done slam down you know yeah. the top and we're good but yeah once in a while it, it bleeds over <laughs> mm. yeah no no definitely and and yeah it's exactly what you said it gives you like especially i see when i don't think about a problem like because i usually listen to podcasts when i run but even then like sometimes i just zone out and then just suddenly i have a solution for the problem i was trying to solve the entire day yeah it's it's incredible you can i can pound my head against a wall on a problem for hours, like in an afternoon, and then just, you know, throw my hands in the air, go to bed, wake up the next morning, and literally five minutes and jogging. Oh, 
oh, this is, that's what I need to do. Oh, <laughs> that, how did I not figure this out in like the three hours I spent on it yesterday? Yeah, no, it's, it, I think, yeah, th this has been proven. Like sometimes we just go in circles and we need something, uh, a complete distraction and walking or yeah. running is a, is a great way to, to like to start that, to do that. So true. And you said you walk your dogs, so you, you have multiple dogs? Yeah, so I have two corgis. I have a Pembroke corgi, which, uh, as most people would say, that's the queen's dog. Right. <laughs> so, and then a cardigan corgi, which is um, very similar to the Pembroke, except they have tails. Oh, I thought they wear cardigans. Oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, both of them, um, one is the Pembroke is almost nine years old. And then the cardigan is actually younger. So he's just over a year, mm. but they are, um, yeah, they're, they're kind of me and my husband's are fur babies. And so we love them. And let me tell you, when you are working remote, the best thing you can do is have a dog because <laughs> it forces you to get out of the house. Yeah. <laughs> I talked to so many, I talked to some of my coworkers and they'll be like, Oh man, I had left the house in like a day and a half. And I think, <laughs> how could you not leave the house? But it's, it's the dogs. They literally, you take them on a walk in the morning. You take them for a quick one at lunch. You take them for a walk in the afternoon. Like it's, it really just helps you just kind of keep moving. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you don't see me, but I'm nodding my head right now. Cause yes, <laughs> exactly. I'm one of those people who just stays indoors, like for the entire day. And I'm yeah. like, oh, I need to go for a run. Cause I've been here like the entire day. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's. They're, they're super, super awesome. And I have to say the Corgi, I love the Corgi breed because they're, they're small, but they think they're big dogs. <laughs> and so like a lot of people who have big dogs are like, oh, is it like, you know, do you want your dog to play with, with mine? And I'm like, oh yeah, no, it's totally fine. Like they, they think they're big and, and they, they'll <laughs> just, they just jump right in there. And so that's kind of one thing I, I like about them. Yeah, I don't. I don't have a dog where I live, but we have one with the uh, with the parents, yep. which uh, they live uh, nearby. And just today, it was like eight years since we got her. Yeah. Uh, so I'm. I mean, uh, like you know, on Facebook and on Instagram, when you have this on this day memories. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So a I'm. I'm totally. Pictures. Yes, I'm totally in that today. Just like looking at those photos, like oh, she was yep. so cute when she was like three months old. Like oh my god, <laughs> the cutest. Oh yeah. I mean, she's still cute now, but not as much. <laughs> Puppies are the cutest. <laughs> well, like, they gotta be cute because half the time you want to kill them because they're doing <laughs> something naughty. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We, we had that phase as well, as I think everyone who gets a dog indoors has the phase. Oh, yeah. Trying to get them to learn anything. It's just like, will they ever <laughs> understand? Ah, <Okay>. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I, I want to talk a bit about... Um, your journey because um you were in aerospace um yes and i i just yeah can can we like how why and how are you in <laughs> what are, yeah just everything yeah yeah it's okay so it's it's a winding road that got me to, <laughs> to where i am now to say the least um so I, I coded a little bit in high school. I did like the AP computer science class. Um, and then I went to college and my dad actually got a, um, an electrical engineering degree in college. And so when I went to school, I thought, you know, maybe I'll go and get, you know, do computer science because I enjoyed it in, in high school. And so let's like, let's give that a shot. So I took the intro to 
computer science class, which was Python. Mm -hmm. So I took that class and the first couple of weeks of school go by. And as I'm taking that class, the guy who lives next door to me is taking the intro to aerospace class. And every single day he comes running over and he goes, guess what we get to do? We get to build a rocket. (laughs) Guess what we get to do? We get to build a parachute. And so after a couple of times of doing this, I'm thinking to myself, well, that sounds a lot more fun than (laughs) typing on a keyboard. (laughs) So I literally went to my advisor, switched into the intro to aerospace class. I absolutely loved it. And then decided to get an aerospace degree. (laughs) Wow. And no regrets. It was so much fun. And luckily, any engineering degree you get you, you still get those fundamentals. So like I still took Java coding classes. I still was doing coding to, you know, set up feedback systems for control systems on airplanes right. and helicopters. And, and so I still kind of always had that little coding experience. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was college, got my aerospace engineering degree. And then after college, the family business is options trading. And so I ended up going and being an options trader for two years. Whoa, that's a uh, that's very um, different. Yeah, so it's it's different, but at the same time, you know, once again, kind of going back to the engineering, when you're trading um, options, it's a lot of analytical stuff. So you're looking at graphs, you're analyzing trends, and it's a lot of problem solving, trying to figure out, you know what the market's gonna possibly do. Mm-hmm. So you know, the engineering still, was still helping me in that sense. So I did options trading for two years. And this was 2011, 2012, when the market was not really in great shape. Mm -hmm. And so we get to 2012. And all this exciting stuff is starting to happen in Silicon Valley. So you got Facebook, you've got Instagram, those companies are all really starting to take hold. And I saw that. And at the time, the market's not great. And I thought, you know, that seems a lot more interesting and exciting than betting on which way the stock market's gonna, you know, go on any given day. Right. And so I took a leap of faith because you got to remember this is the family business. I'm <laughs> basically guaranteed a job for the rest of my life. Right. But I said, you know what? I'm one of those people I want to do. I want to love what I do. And so sure. I quit my job and I taught myself with the Michael Hart tutorial web development. Uh, for three months, and then got an internship at a small startup company in Chicago. And uh, they ended up hiring me full time. And the rest was kind of history after that. Well, I mean, you, you, since you said it was a family business, then even if you failed or didn't like the the startup, you could still go back, right? It's not like it was... Yeah, but it's, I'm not one of those that wants to fail. <laughs> <laughs> I when when I was like when I made the switch, it was and it ended up being the best decision I ever made. Mm. Getting back to to building stuff and and making things like that's just kind of like an engineering. I think when you get into you know that engineering mindset, like you want to build, you want to create, you want to you know create things that are gonna impact the world or people's everyday lives, as opposed to just you know like I said betting on which way the stock market is going to go. And so it's, I am so happy I made the switch. I absolutely love what I do now. And that's, <laughs> that's something I kind of tell people that, you know, as you're going along, like, do what makes you happy. Don't, don't so much worry about, ah, oh, is if, you know, I wasn't worried, is my aerospace engineering degree, you know, 
going to allow me to do computer, you know, yeah, yeah. web development in the future. Like I never thought about that. I literally just thought this is really cool. I want to study this. <laughs> and so, you know, I always kind of, you know, tell people like follow your heart in a sense. That sounds totally corny, but yeah. you know, do what brings you joy and then the rest will fall into place. And since you have the aerospace um, degree and now we, when you see what SpaceX is doing, is, is that sort of like intriguing you? Do you want to do you want to go to work in, in that space again? Because apparently we're going to Mars, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I would I would love to sometime in the future go and work for an aerospace company, work on systems mm -hmm. um, that are going, you know, to space, they're going to Mars, et cetera. Uh, at the time, and kind of one of the reasons I went to options training is, like I said, I'm from Chicago. And so my husband and I moved back there and the aerospace companies are really mostly on like the West Coast, like California. Um, I'd imagine in Florida as well or not yeah, or Texas, maybe. Probably. Places where it's warm year round and like you can, you know, you do your outdoor testing, et cetera, yeah. um, and all that stuff. And so that's, that was kind of one of the reasons where I ended up going an easier out. We, you know, we, we wanted to stay in Chicago mm -hmm. and there wasn't mm -hmm. an opportunity to work for like a fun aerospace company, but I definitely in the future could see myself going and working for one. I, you know, my, my dad's a pilot, my brothers are pilots. And so keeping up with the industry is definitely kind of a passion of mine, mm -hmm. keeping up with what Boeing's doing. And I still, you know, when aerospace incidents happen, I still love going through and reading the papers that get written up. And like, you know, at one point after the Air France crash that happened um, a while back over the ocean, I went and dove into like how those, uh, autopilot control systems work and so like i still love all that stuff mm -hmm. i just kind of do it now in my free time yeah yeah yeah. no no i understand did you by any chance watch the uh the apple series for all mankind i did not okay you you should like and i also recommend this to listeners yeah um so it the, the premise is very simple it's basically like we were back in the 60s and the russians were the first on the moon so the space race never ended mm -hmm. um That's the premise, and it goes on for that, and and it. and it goes like really fast uh, through the decades, like through the Apollo program and everything. It's super fun, especially if you're in this like in the aerospace. Yeah, you're obviously interested by this, and um, yeah, it draws a lot. So it's a it's you know it's a parallel history, and uh, it draws a lot of figures from real world, but like they put them in different roles. Um, it's it's very it's very good. I really recommend it. Nice. Yeah, I, I think you'd enjoy it. And what do you think about, like, realistically, SpaceX and their, like, uh, grandiose plans? I mean, I commend them. I'm, like, so excited that they're tackling it. Like, it's, we have a long way to go. Um, but I think, I think they're in the, they're going in the right direction. Getting rockets, having rockets, being able to launch rockets and then land them so that you can reuse them yeah. is huge. Mm -hmm. Uh I recently just read a sci-fi book that Michael Crichton wrote about uh, the first space elevator. And that's another thing at some point that once, once that gets figured out, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's going to be huge, but basically just making it more economical to get to space, yeah. I think is, is definitely, you know, a worthwhile, you know, thing to pursue at, yeah. at this point. And, and, you know, hopefully Once we can do that, once it's we lower that cost, then you can just you can start sending 
tons of things up there, you know, start sending people up there uh, for tourism, like like they're trying to do with Virgin Galactic yeah, yeah. Uh, and all that stuff. So I think it's, you know, I think it's 100% worthwhile. Someone who's a big sci-fi fan, you, you read the books and you watch <laughs> you watch the movies about, you know, going kind of beyond the stars. I it's It's exciting. It's exciting. I hope I get to see a lot of it in my lifetime. Yeah, yeah, me too. Sometimes, you know, because Elon is one of two, like, always over-promise and under-deliver. Yeah. But sometimes they do, they do deliver. Like you said, like, um, landing those rockets back. I remember uh, yeah. I watched the first, like, Falcon Heavy launch where they landed all three. Yep. Well, one failed, but, like, the two, failed, simultaneous, right? two simultaneous, like, landings, that was just incredible. It was so awesome yeah and knowing the amount of precision that goes into getting those puppies landed like yeah oh it's it's so impressive it's so impressive <laughs> yeah no it's 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 crazy and it even like even looks so good like when you when you see two of them landing at the same time it's just like right. no this is not happening it looks like a sci-fi movie yeah exactly right? this, it looks yeah. like a sci-fi movie like boom the <laughs> just lands <laughs> yeah yeah and it's huge like it's really really tall yeah uh, yeah it's yeah, incredible so yeah, I, I I do have high hopes, although I do think it's like um, not happening anytime soon where we right. go to Mars or anything. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. But yeah, no oh well. <laughs> um, one of the things that you mentioned briefly before and that I want to touch is uh, I read your blog post about mentoring mm -hmm. and why um, uh, why you started doing that or how you started doing that. Yeah. So. The story, this also happened last fall. Um, well, I guess oh, it's winter now. So I guess the fall of 2018. Mm. Um, so I was kind of going along, uh, had just gotten the senior engineering role, which, you know, was kind of like, oh, yes, I've made it. <laughs> and I ended up getting an email from a coworker of mine. And it basically said, hey, Molly, there's this girl in DC. And, you know, she's kind of, struggling in the industry and she's hoping, you know, she's looking for someone to connect with who has a similar path to hers. And I thought you guys might be able to talk. Mm -hmm. And she sent this email to me. I thought, ho ho ho, no. <laughs> <laughs> like I was like, I I I am so I'm a very like very technical black and white person. Like I I taught many junior engineers how to code, like, you know, the logic, all this, all this basic like engineering stuff. Yeah. But I in no way thought I was qualified to give career advice to anybody. <laughs> and so yeah. um and she was struggling and I and that's something that I it, I never really struggled in the industry. And so I thought, you know what? There's got to be a reason. So my mom kind of always taught me like Molly, you got to pay it forward. And so that's why I did not initially like respond like no, no, no. <laughs> Ask somebody else. I thought, okay. You gotta, you gotta pay it forward. So you got, you gotta figure this out. So I literally went and I interviewed all of the people that I worked with. And I said, Hey, I have had a really great experience in this industry. What about me has made it so that I, I garner the respect that I deserve that I, you know, and all this stuff. And so I actually got a lot of like really interesting answers. Um, you know, things beyond basically I, I don't put up with BS for mm -hmm. one. Um, and then, you know, things like confidence and, and all these other things. And so I went back 
And I told my mentee, I said, you know, I gave her some suggestions and I said, try out these things and see how they go. And I had no idea if any of it was going to help. I honestly thought I was like, wow, this is whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is probably not going to go anywhere. And literally she applied the things I had told her to. And within a month, she had already turned a corner in terms of her perspective hmm. on like working. And it was a few months later, she ended up quitting her job. And now she is super successful at a, a new company. And um, is yeah, she's just, I don't know. She, I, I sound like I have like, she's like my kid or something. Like she just <laughs> makes me so proud because she came so far and now she is just absolutely kicking butt, taking names and is like kind of the confident engineer that I always right. saw in her when I first met her. Um, and now she's just living it. And so literally after doing that, and we still have a mentoring relationship. We still, every month we do an hour long phone call and we mm -hmm. catch up. Um, and you know, seeing how far she's come and it's, it really wasn't just, okay. So I'm saying all of this and I'm saying how far she came during all of this. It wasn't just her that was growing. It was yeah. also me because mm -hmm. I was kind of one, I was getting a realization of, you know, what character aspects of mine helped me be successful in this industry. I was getting a lot of, you know, a lot of interpersonal reflection mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. about, you know, why I am the way I am, you know, how I work with other people. And so I learned a lot about myself in the, in the whole process. Mm -hmm. And it's, I mean, it's been super fulfilling. And it's why I, you know, encourage other people to, to do it mm. because it's not, you know, you, you're definitely, you're going to learn something about yourself in the process. And what were some of the things that you said to her? Is anything like more widely applicable or was it just like to her specifically? No, there's, I mean, so one of the big things is confidence I found in this industry. Mm -hmm. And if you portray confidence, you know, that's, you're going to get respect from your peers. Um, not in all situations, sometimes there's a-holes out there and whatever. You just don't, you just don't work with them. So there's, there's times you got to walk away, but most of the time, if you portray confidence, you're going to get that respect. And so one of the things I told her is she was very, you know, she was very skilled engineer, but she didn't believe she was. And so I said, she told me about the boot camp that she went through in order to train herself to be an engineer. And mm -hmm. I suggested, Hey, why don't you go back to that boot camp um, and offer to be a mentor, offer to teach right. the very yeah. beginners um, because you, you know, you look, she looks at herself and she says, oh, I've got like one or two years experience. Like, who am I going to teach? But there's these people, they have zero experience. Yeah. Yeah, and exactly. so I suggested go back and teach them and you'll be surprised at how much, you know, mm -hmm. and so she did that. And, the, you know, the effect was exactly as I had expected. She came back and she said, wow, I really know a lot more than I thought I did. Mm -hmm. And I said, yeah, that's, that's the point. So it's, it's things like that. If you, if you, you know, we all battle with this imposter syndrome and you've got to remember no matter where you are in your journey, there's probably someone you can go and help and teach. And by helping them and teaching them, you're going to gain confidence in yourself because you realize everything you know. 
you know, when you're working, it's a lot of, you know, you're learning. And so you're basically getting exposed to a lot of what you don't know, Mm -hmm. which makes you feel like, oh my God, I don't know anything. But when you're teaching, you're reciting everything you do know. And so it helps you focus on all that you do know, which is usually a lot more and, you know, usually what you underestimate. Yeah, I think this goes back to what we talked before about um, speaking and and doing talks. Because, yeah, exactly the thing. You don't know how it is to be a beginner anymore. Mm -hmm. Because once you, you, like, I don't want to say succeed, but like once you know what you're doing, once you're comfortable with your work, you forget how it was when, you know, it's, I think with uh, programming and maybe also with other things it's very easy to do that first step because there's a lot of beginner books but then the intermediate step is where it's really hard because um it's uh as a as a beginner you don't know how to cross and as an expert you don't know how to help them because you don't know how it was when you were in in their shoes because you forget but i think even for myself looking back that was the hardest for me was just like um, going from like a little knowledge to mm-hmm. actually enough to be hireable. Right, right. And I think that's also um, the kind of things like the intermediate talks are the ones that are the like easiest to give to an expert, but also the hardest because you don't know what really to say because you, you don't know what they don't know. It's it's all so straightforward to like for you, for example, Elasticsearch, it all just makes sense. Right. And for me, it's this like black box and I don't even know what I don't know and how to get there. I don't yeah, even yeah, know yeah. what to Google. Right. So I, you got to break it down to the lowest common denominator. That's that's something I try to always do in my posts and stuff is, you know, one thing I always kind of encourage people is when you're giving a talk or whatever, you know, assume no one knows what you're talking about in a sense. So if you have an acronym, expel out the acronym because even if there's one person in the room that doesn't know it you need to to speak to them and make sure that they understand it yeah so that's you know there's one of the things elon said that ah, we're back with elon but uh, (laughs) he he had this thing because they had the same problem with spacex in the beginning and he had this memo uh like uh called s so ass yeah acronyms seriously suck i love it that's the problem. Like, you know the acronym because you use them all the time, but people don't know them. Yeah. And I think everyone has this experience when they start a new job and everyone there is using some acronyms you've never heard before. Oh, yeah. And you're, you're just afraid to ask what they mean because you, they, like, you, oh. you, yeah, you know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> oh, 100%. I mean, I tweeted out about it yesterday. <laughs> I was, I was making a slideshow to cover our, our monitoring to explain our monitoring uh, strategies to the rest of our company. And so I'm going through and I'm like listing all the different, you know, areas and I get to APM mm-hmm. and I was like, Oh, okay. I'm going to, I put APM and I was like, Oh, I should put up, you know, exactly what it stands for. And so I thought it was application performance metrics. Yes. That's what is it? Well, no, it's not. <laughs> I Googled it because, of course, I was like, I cannot be wrong. Like, I am the lead site reliability engineer. Like, this has to be right. So I Googled it just to, like, double check. Oh, no. It stands for Application Performance Monitor. Oh. <laughs> so there you go. I am a lead site reliability engineer, and I didn't I didn't even know, you know, what APM stood for. So it's just – and I literally – I tweeted that and said, hey, everyone, I'm a lead – site reliability engineer i didn't even you know i didn't even know what the correct you know words were for apm so like 
that's just to throw it out there. Acronyms suck and you need to spell them out. <laughs> yeah, no, no, definitely. And, you know, it's it's not just the ones that are used across industry. I think the, the most problematic ones are the ones that are only used in, like, small circles. Yeah. Like, inside the team or, like, for abbreviations of other teams inside the company. I think those are very hard to ask for. What do they even mean? Or who's that? Yeah. Or especially if two acronyms may mean the same thing. Oh, and yeah. they're, you don't know that. It's like, oh, why? So why? Oh, yeah, no. I'm I'm just reliving this my experience of joining. <laughs> a I, company. We, we've all been there. We've all been there. <laughs> yeah, and you also uh I, I just wanna quickly touch this. Like you also wrote a blog post on applying for a job that I found very, very interesting. Oh yeah. That was one of my recent ones. Yeah, no, and it's so true. Like one of your points is that you you shouldn't try to know it all or like to appear that you know it all yeah and i think um like being in the position of interviewing people for like many years now in in many in three companies mm-hmm. um i think that's the biggest problem when people just put all the words yeah. on on the cv as they can and you're just like well this means absolutely nothing to me now because yep. you, you didn't tell me which ones you actually know or like right. what can i even ask you about this is just like listing technologies you know because yeah. no like you can't be proficient in all of them no one is yeah. no i i 100% agree and i think and unfortunately i think some of that comes from the fact that at a lot of the bigger companies you've got you know resume scanner algorithms going through and just checking off Oh, do they have HTML? Check. Do they have CSS? Check. Do they have, you know, Ruby, Java? Check. And it's it's basically, okay, who has the most check marks? They're going through the next round. But you would you want to work in a company like that? Me personally, no. I enjoy the smaller companies. But right. something I always tell people is you need to put your resume in a person's hand. And whether that is cold emailing people that work there, possibly saying, Hey, I saw you work at, you know, so-and-so company. I'm looking to apply. Do you, can we maybe grab coffee and, you know, and chat? Making that personal connection so that when you apply, someone at that company is aware that you're starting the process or you're handing your, your resume over to a person is so crucial. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, and it's something I admitted in the blog post. I've never had to deal with trying to beat an algorithm to get my resume through because I've always given it straight to a person. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's something I think is is super valuable. I mean, it's different for me or for us who are like complete remote workers because I work for like a company from another country even. Yeah. Um, so that kind of thing is like out of the question, but it doesn't mean you can't have a personal touch. Like for me, CVs are almost completely useless because yeah. it's like I just use LinkedIn. What really matters to me or like how you can make that connection, even if you're just applying for a job, even if you're not cold emailing or whatever, even if you go to through the regular flow, have a good cover letter. Yeah. Like explain who you are, why you want to work here. Even just like two sentences, even just give me... Give me something that I know that you read at least our like our homepage yeah. and and like what we do and why would you, you want to work here? Just that like one sentence can change my opinion about you considerably. Right. And it's and it's kind of that leads into like my, you know, I always tell people customize like your resume. Mm-hmm. Don't just send out the generic, well, I am a good architect and can do this and this and this and this and this and this and please hire me. Like, no, no, no. Like tell them like, what about the company makes you want to work there? Like you show them that you actually want to work at their company. 
Um, and then you're more likely to get an interview as opposed to just if you just throw out your all the generic stuff it's it you know it might not be tailored to what the company is looking for and even cold emailing like you said yeah i think that's a very good tactic if you if you know for which company you want to work for because like even emails even if you're sending them to someone you never met like oh, for yeah. example i send it to you yep if you write it in a way that's like look i don't want to take much of your time just say no if you don't want to yeah. like hear from me anymore just tell me like like open with that open like with an easy way out for for the exactly. person you, you're writing to right exactly no i i 100 agree that's that's how i got my first internship i there was a job listing for a full-time software engineer which pff, i had three months of self-taught experience <laughs> i was not qualified and i literally just emailed the you know the founder and said hey any chance you take an intern totally understand if you can't because you're a startup and you know you yeah you, might need someone who can contribute or, but mm -hmm. you know, if you're interested and you know, let me know. And he said, yeah, yeah, we might be able to do that. Come in, let's, let's meet. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, the rest was history after that, but it's just, you just never know. So I, I always say, you know, the worst is going to happen. They don't, re they don't reply. Yeah. And yeah, that, that sucks. But like, why not give it a shot? Because you never know who you're going to meet. And mm -hmm. it's just, oh. and even, even this, you like, if they don't reply, this can be avoided in most cases by giving them giving them an easy out. Like start an email with that. I'm like, just say, I completely understand if I can't, if you can't, if like whatever. Yeah. Just let me know. I'll leave you alone. Like give them a way out. And I, in my like in my experience for this podcast and for most other things I got, I get over ninety five percent reply rate. Right. Some of them say no, and it's fine. Yeah. Like at least I know like they they got the email, and I won't keep sending another email. Right. Hey, did you get my email? Or did you go? Right. Did it go to spam? Like, cause that's ugh. like a bad recruiter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, those are the worst. Oh, I know. <laughs> that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's not do that. <laughs> But uh, yeah. Okay. Um, let's then uh, end on a more positive note. Okay. If you would have to like say or name three things that made a lasting impression on you or changed your life somehow. What do, what would those three things be? And this can be books or articles or videos or whatever. Like three things that made you who you are. Yeah. Oof. That's a good. Okay. So one would have to be my mother. So she is someone. So she, you know, raised my brothers and I. She was a full time working parent. Um, and she was just one of those, you know, go getters. And she has this very, you know, no BS attitude. And she kind of taught me early on what it means to be a strong woman. Mm -hmm. And so I credit uh, a lot of my success to, you know, to her and what she taught me. And I also, I'm a very introverted person and she's an extrovert. And so she actually made sure growing up, I was getting out of my shell. So my mom would have to be one. Another one would have to be MIT. So where I went to college, Massachusetts Institute of Technology, mm -hmm. um, my experience there, which many people have this experience, is I came out of high school. I was like, top of my class, high school is easy breezy, mm -hmm. and you get to MIT and it just crushes you. <laughs> it is so hard. You have to work together in order to, you know, the, the saying is cooperate and graduate because you literally... For most of us, there's some geniuses there that could, they just do everything on their own and it's fine. 
but for me, I was, I was, you know, the average person that needed a lot of help. And so mm. MIT pushed me to, you know, to areas I never thought I could go in a sense. And so that I think really set me up well for the rest of my career, because when I hit those bugs that seem impossible to solve, when I hit, you know, the wall of trying to figure out a problem, MIT has kind of given me that, you know, that sense in the back of my mind that I know I'm going to solve it. I don't mm-hmm. know how, mm-hmm. but I'm going to get it done. Yeah, you're, you're going to go for a run or take your corgis for a walk. And then exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, so I have to say MIT and then and then I have to say the horses. Um, right. Riding and being with the horses um, really keeps me grounded. And I'm actually I'm trying to put together a, a CFP about horses and how they have shaped me as a person and how that's impacted my professional life. Mm. But it's, you know, we, we work all day on computers and, you know, working on the internet and, you know, sometimes things go wrong and, um, you know, your site goes down for like 10, 15 minutes. Okay. So most of us, it's devastating. It's devastating yeah. when that happens. Cause you're just, Oh, you just don't want to let everyone down. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, as, as, as a very smart VP of engineering once said, you know, no one died. Like some people couldn't see their data for 15 minutes. Like the world's not going to end. It's in the big grand scheme of life. Like it's not that big of a deal. And being able to step away from a computer and go and ride these horses, which you can touch, you can feel, you know, you're just basically, you're kind of a team with them mm-hmm. just helps me keep that into perspective. Like, Yes, what we do is important. Making websites and you know and giving these providing services to people, it's important. But it's it's not everything in life. And so the horses really ground me. Yeah, probably there's no one on their deathbed thinking, oh, if only that site wouldn't be down for 15 minutes. Right, right. And so that that helps keep me ground. So yeah, so my mom, MIT, and then the horses are probably you know the three things in my life that have had the most impact in like who I am. Well, that's a uh, great, very, very good answers. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think I'm too old for MIT. And uh, yes, yeah, so <laughs> I don't think I'm going to go with the horses now. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a little, little bit late, but you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to stick with my running. I think uh, it's fine. There you go. <laughs> that sounds good. That sounds good. Uh, well, Molly, thank you so much for your time. Uh, I really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, likewise. And uh, talk to you soon. Yep. Bye. Bye. All right. This is my interview with Molly. I would love if you would share this podcast with your friends and followings on your social mediums of choice. Retweet, like, repost, whatever. Every action helps. If you're listening in Apple Podcasts, please post a review there. And if you use a different app like Breaker, Overcast, or anything else that supports liking or favoriting, I'd appreciate your action there as well. You can also financially support this podcast by going to patreon.com slash That's patreon.com slash P-A-R-P-A-S-P-O-D or open the show notes and follow the Patreon link there. Thank you. You can find this show on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. We are at ParapassPod on all of them. All the links from this episode are in the show notes and on our website, parallelpassion.com slash 39. Thank you for listening and have a passionate day.